This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Monday, the 1st of November, 2021. And because it is Monday, the 1st of November, 2021, you can now buy over-the-counter rapid antigen tests to test whether you've got COVID without um, having to go to the trouble of having a PCR test, which is the way that we test as a gold standard. And Norman, there's been lots of people with questions about this, about what they're for and how they should be used. And we've got some questions as well. So we've brought in an expert to help us answer those questions today. Dr. Ian Norton, the Managing Director of Respond Global, which is an organisation that helps manage responses to health emergencies. Hi, Ian. Hi, Tegan. So Ian, thanks for coming on. One of the reasons is that you were probably one of the first people to use rapid antigen testing en masse in Australia. Tell us about your experience to date. Yeah, the first experience was in July, August last year when we um, we started actually supporting a, uh, a large cruise and tourism company up in Europe who was interested in putting antigen testing into place. And I was very keen on looking at the science and the evidence for it at the time. Um, so we, we did a lot of research for that offshore. And then we were asked by the trauma centre, the National Trauma Centre up in Darwin, which was hosting Howard Springs, the quarantine centre there in the very early days, to look at better ways to keep their staff safe. So what ways could we test, particularly daily testing? Because the, the, the staff of the quarantine centre were really worried they were going to take coronavirus back home to their families or introduce it to the community up in Darwin. And of course, we were worried about the vulnerable uh, in the community up there, in Indigenous health and other, other issues. And there's a lack of capacity in, in, in the one single hospital in Darwin and things. So we very much jumped in. I, I used to work in Darwin for many, many years, and I was director of that, of that centre in a previous life. So uh, very happy to support that. And we learned a lot, really, from, from rolling that out daily to each of the quarantine staff, be that uh, police and security, to health, uh, medical cleaners, caterers, everybody. And we were successfully doing that seven days a week uh, for many, many months, about 30,000 tests done. Can you rattle us through what the pros and cons are of PCR versus rapid antigen tests then? Well, PCR certainly, uh, as it as it's talked about a lot, uh, the gold standard. So it's certainly uh, the test that uh, gives us most sensitivity. It can pick up even the smallest amount of a broken up virus. And uh, it's done in a lab setting. So it looks at the nucleic acids that are broken down from viruses and, and has to be done in a lab setting, as, as we all know. Whereas antigen testing is done, as we call it, at point of care or, or where we're interacting with that patient or that person we're screening. A very simple test to use. It looks a lot like a pregnancy test. It takes a couple of little steps where we mix it with some fluid, but the, where the participant can do that themselves, put it on a little strip, uh, and it gives us a result in between 10 and 15 minutes. So a totally different uh, form of testing. And what it's looking for is the protein that's around the virus, so a whole virus. In fact, it's probably the best test of all to check whether you have active whole viruses that can infect other people. So it's very, very good at checking for infectivity. So its strength is whether you're actively infectious at that moment. That's right, Norman. It, it's there's actually a very good paper that, that looks at uh, PCR next to rapid antigen tests next to viral cultures, which is probably the gold standard to check whether you can physically pass that virus to somebody else. Can you actually put it on a plate and grow that virus and, and replicate it? Uh, and rapid antigen testing matches almost exactly viral culture. 
when you did the 30,000 tests on the workers at Howard Springs, and it should, be, it should be said that when the Northern Territory government took over from the Commonwealth, there was almost a riot at Howard Springs among staff because they were going to stop the rapid antigen testing. How accurate was it amongst the 30,000 tests? Well, at that stage, obviously, we had a very low prevalence, and thank goodness there's been no breaches uh, in Howard Springs. It's one of those uh, amazing centres, uh, uh, the, the quarantine centre up there, which has had no, no breach right up to date uh, until now. So I can't tell you the sensitivity on that group because effectively there was no, um, and nobody picked up, but neither was there any pickup on a weekly PCR test amongst the same group. So we're very comfortable with that. And during that time, we had three, what we call false positives. So there was only three out of 30,000 that had to, uh, that looked like they were positive on their little test strip. And then they went down to get a PCR and the PCR was negative. Uh, but we know there is, there is a risk of that. Maybe to answer the question even better, that that if you were to put one of these tests, uh, these rapid antigen tests, uh, up somebody's nose who was who had symptoms, um, they're about ninety-three to ninety-seven percent sensitive. So they're pretty good. In fact, very, very good, uh, very rapid, and it will tell you ninety plus percent of the time that you have uh, the virus when you actually have symptoms. If we were to do the same in asymptomatic, so people without symptoms, uh, then they're only about between fifty and sixty percent sensitive for that group. And that's the reason why you do you do it two or three times a week. Yes, there's, there's also a good study, uh, several studies actually out of Harvard uh, in the US, uh, looking at Mina, who was the main author on these, and Larriman. Uh, they, they looked very clear, carefully at, at a less sensitive test, but done more often, actually can rise the sensitivity of the ov- overall testing approach. And they reckon if we were to do a, a less sensitive test like this daily, we can reach into the high 90s, even with a less sensitive test in an asymptomatic group. If we drop that to twice a week, we, we reckon it's about 88%. Uh, useful for for screening that population. And if we do it less than uh, twice a week, so once a week, for example, it falls off a cliff. It's uh, it's like flipping a coin. It's about 50% sensitive. And the reason being for that uh, is that, of course, the incubation period of Delta particularly is, is shorter than a week. Why? It makes sense that you could use them in a situation where people are at high risk of catching COVID, like someone who works in a quarantine facility. What's the purpose of having them available over-the-counter for home use? Well, we, we should look at the UK, Europe and the US for, for that question. That's really, a, I suppose, a, a very overused term of, of living with COVID. It's become part of normal life and a bit like, I suppose, uh, having the flu or, or something else. Um, you, you have access now to a test, a cheap test that can be bought over-the-counter in, in a chemist, a pharmacy. People are using it to test themselves so they don't put others in danger. Let's say they have vulnerable uh, older parents or people at work that uh, they want to stay out of work if they have any chance that they, they have symptoms consistent with COVID. So therefore, they, they use these tests for those purposes. I think that's where um, the government wants us to go by this release. But for me, it, it's missing one or two steps in between that. So we're still now only, only now really rolling this out on a mass scale in, in businesses and places like Meatworks and supermarket distribution centres and all sorts of other important places, which we all rely on. High risk settings. Yes, but also part of our fabric of life. We need to make sure that all those things continue, so we can we can continue to live. If the public health departments in those settings were to continue to shut people down uh, and put put that facility into lockdown, even with this new highly vaccinated population, then that would be our concern. I think so. We're really hopeful rapid antigen testing stops that. Uh, and it already is shown to do that uh, with some examples I can give in a minute. But uh, but at a home level, uh, I'm not sure we fully talked through what we're going to use it for here in Australia. 
So just give us an example, because I think you're working with a wheat work, wheat, a meatworks in Melbourne at the moment. Yes, several meatworks around the place. This is country Victoria, and, and it's certainly an example of an outbreak um, that occurred during the week down there. PCR was brought in, obviously, when we had the first case. <laughs> to give, give you a practical example of, of how the challenge of having a result only the day or, or even two days later, uh, we instituted, you know, in support of the meatworks owners, rapid antigen testing, and that picked up about six people on the day of that testing, and they were sent off for PCR tests, which were confirmed, whereas if they had waited for the PCR, they would have allowed those six people into the factory and then had further spread. Um, and so that's a, that's a real issue. We actually have seven times prevented outbreaks in the aged care sector in Sydney during the, the, the recent outbreaks there as well. So documented screening has stopped an outbreak within, within an aged care facility, which is really important. So if you're talking to just a punter in the general public today about why these things are suddenly on supermarket shelves and in pharmacies, what, do you, what would you say to them to sort of what to expect next with these um, rapid antigen tests? A couple of things I would say to that person. First of all, there, there are 25 to 30 of them on the market and not all of them perform in the same way. But I suppose that's the same for, for several tests out there. That's a tough one for me. I, I am, I'm not sure how we're going to manage the quality uh, because in independent testing in several states, particularly New South Wales, Victoria and WA, they've looked at these tests and, and some five or six were in the very, very high sensitivity bracket and very useful. Others really performed quite poorly. Um, and But all of them are TGA approved. And so if those ones are going to go out onto the shelves, then I have a worry that, that not all of the cases will be picked up, whereas I, I have more confidence in, in a couple of brands. And then I would say, you know, on picking it up, you should expect inside the packaging, and this is a new TGA requirement for these home tests, that there are clear pictorials to tell you how to do it. There are some helplines and videos and things you can watch from that company to, to instruct you even further if you need that. Um, and then to say to you that, that please, please, please make sure that if you do this test at home uh, and you're doing it for the right reasons, as in you've got some symptoms, you want to check that it's, uh, that it's not COVID or you're going to somewhere risky, you know, you're going to, to meet uh, a vulnerable loved one or whatever it's going to be, uh, or going to a workplace, uh, that you have a system to go and get a PCR diagnosis test or diagnostic test if you were to ever go positive on this particular test, because it's not perfect. Uh, but it's, it is a great added tool and it does give me more surety if it's, um, if it's negative. And if it's positive, then you've got a 99% plus chance that it, that it really is positive. Are you, real, are you willing to name the reliable ones? You know, it's going to be tough for me, Norman, to, to say that. A lot of the, um, the studies and the results that we, we got access to through the state's uh, laboratory systems were either heavily redacted or, or, or given in confidence. So I, I can't really speak to that, which is... But I would, I would draw people's attention to the New South Wales uh, Health website, for example, where they did recommend uh, the top few. Um, I think that website is still up. Um, so those are the tests that they, they looked at within New South Wales. And just finally, beware of just the single test. If you're looking, for, if you're, say, visiting an elderly relative on a, on a regular basis, you've really got to do it two or three times a week to be sure. Yes, absolutely. And that, that's same same for anybody who's thinking about putting this in place for maybe they, they own a small cafe and they've got a few staff. And should you, you organise this for your staff, for example? Um, yeah, look at it at least twice a week. Ian, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Tegan. Thanks, Norman. Thanks. Dr. Ian Norton is the Managing Director of Respond Global. And this is Coronacast for today, but we'll be back in your feed tomorrow. If you've got questions or comments, send them to abc.net.au slash coronacast. See you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs>